Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Monday, July 31st, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Wow. Almost August already. But... We're here. That means football season's right around the corner, and it also means the NBA season only a couple months away as well. Uh, training camp and preseason will be here before you know it. Um, but it's Monday, so you know what that means. All things NBA with Corbin Ford Chase Down Block here on a Monday morning podcast. So, as always, thank you guys for checking out uh, this very show. Corbin was awesome uh, as usual, and we talked about the Celtics new. Uh, big three with Chris Tapps, um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and what this new core is going to look like next year, if it will end up being better than with Marcus Smart, um, Ben Simmons, and some recent comments from Mikhail Bridges on his play and uh, what might happen with Ben Simmons uh, on a very, very different Brooklyn Nets team next year and what that might mean for him and that team. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and the extension question with the Cavs and where they're headed and why Evan Mobley is still the central figure in Cleveland. Um, and then some Kings on if they'll be able to repeat their 48 win season from a year ago. They're deeper, bringing in a EuroLeague MVP, drafted well, Keegan Murray taking that next step. And uh, just a lot of excitement about the Kings, but also the West is crazy the Mavs finish 11th will they do it again um probably not so there's going to be a very very interesting regular season on the western side of things uh here in in this upcoming NBA season so all that and more coming up next with Corbin Ford Uncle Darren let's go hey y'all thanks for checking out the Chase Homes podcast if you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening welcome to the show appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, if you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content every single day. Tennessee Vols, Atlanta Sports Guys, Sports Reporters Assemble, NFL, NBA, college football, all that and more right here on this feed each and every day. Your favorite writers, analysts, personalities in the space on this very feed every day. So if you like that, you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say, but if you could please leave this show, a five-star rating and write a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify, or however you're listening, I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan you love the show tell a friend family member co-worker whoever about the chase Homes podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in tennessee i would greatly appreciate it five-star review or five-star rating write a review i promise it helps in a major way takes a second hit that pause button take care of it today and uh yeah we greatly appreciate it Hey, one final thing before we jump into today's episode. Uh, 
Sports Renaissance Man. That's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. It is a daily newsletter um, where I cover all kinds of uh, great sports content, personal essays, uh, links to full episodes of this very show, um, Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports, NFL, NBA, college football. I write about it all. Boy Meets World. Yeah, you can find all of it on the Sports Renaissance Man newsletter by just going over to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email today. Become a subscriber. If you like listening to this show, I think you might like reading my work as well. Combination, writing, podcasting, two of my favorite things. And you can find it over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Check it out today. Also check out chasemonspodcast.com. New website. Looks great. All kinds of great links. Check them both out. Bookmark them. Sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type your email. That easy. That simple. Do it today. And then chasethomaspodcast.com as well for all the links, full episode notes um, about the show, how we got started, who I am, if you're not familiar with the Chase Thomas Podcast, and just me, Chase Thomas, um, outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, local Atlantan, um, and all that good stuff. All the information you need, chasethomaspodcast.com. Then email me, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com for any questions, mailbag stuff, anything for me or my hosts each and every week, co-hosts each and every week, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. Also here, my good friend, over there in the Midwest now, not the Southwest, in Colorado, Corbin Ford of Swish Theory. Corbin, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. Just a lovely Sunday. Lost track of the days for a second there, but can't, you know, just living life out here, man. I know it's easy to, I, I love, uh, I mean, just when you do get older, it, it really is to, it's so easy to lose track of days, time, anything like that. I mean, we're almost done with July. Like it's insane that August is what Tuesday. Yeah. 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 You're right. First of the month, Tuesday wild. It's crazy. It is crazy Corbin, but do you know what else is crazy? The NBA, what? you know, what's funny is we're doing an NBA pod tonight, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like we're the only one not. I maybe I'm just the only one not taking a break over these last uh, few weeks of July into early August because there's not a lot of NBA content out right now. Like everyone after summer league ended, kind of was like, "Hey, no big trades are happening." Jalen Brown got the mega extension, the supermax, but outside of that, it's been pretty quiet. And I think a lot of folks are getting away. But unfortunately, um, I don't do that, and I am always uh, working in a multitude of contexts, and I'm always thinking about the NBA, and I always want to talk about the NBA, and um, I, I think uh, you're probably wired the same way where you're uh, watching clips. I mean, last week, or I guess it was two weeks ago, you were just watching random uh, games from way back in the day. Have you been doing that this week, Corbin? Have you stumbled into some 2012 OKC Thunder tape? You know it's funny? I have not as of yet, but I will be getting into that. Um, only because I'm doing another separate podcast project with my friend Gary Bouguet called The Best of the Rest. And we are ranking every team that hasn't won the championship, like contending mm. teams from like the 1970s and putting them in this like round of 64, round of whatever. So like, for example, like we're doing a podcast this week 
uh, first shout out to Garrett Bougay and uh, um, Duncan Dynasty. But like the first round we'll be talking about is a uh, one versus 16 matchup. We did it by record and straight the competition, all that. Uh, the 97 Jazz versus the 15, 2015 Blazers, the 2009 Cavs versus the 88 Jazz, the 96 Sonics versus the 84 Knicks, and the 2018 Rockets versus the 1999 Knicks. Mm. And like these are just hypothetical. We're going, we already have it branched out in terms of like seven game series, first two games at one, and we're going by the rules of that year. So mm-hmm. it only comes up with like the 76 Suns versus the 93 Suns or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool. So I will be doing some some weird, it'll scratch the itch of like going into the weeds of the NBA draft, uh, an NBA draft, NBA uh, history content. There you go. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, also, I had this, I was listening to um, the Lockdown Hawks when I was doing laundry earlier. And one of the things they casually dropped was that like uh, the rumor, there's a rumor going around that like, the, we're a couple days away from Kobe Bufkin being trade eligible where it's like some of those guys who were just drafted, there's a certain timeline. So it's like, yeah, nothing's happened with the Pascal Siakam trade or anything. There's nothing new in some of this stuff, but I wonder if that's part of it. And I hadn't even considered, cause I just moved on from Pascal ever being an option for Atlanta, what that trade would look like. But it's like, could that actually be, he had a rough summer, summer league, but still mm-hmm. early, but Kobe, um, I wasn't really all in on, I, I just combo guards who don't have a path to, real playing time on a team that's trying to win uh now is just yeah we'll see like he's just he's a guy mm-hmm. we'll we'll see i like I've, i said that, that seth lundy i would guess makes the makes an appearance in uh, quinn snyder's rotation first um this season over over cubby kobe would be my guess but i don't know we we shall see corbin um speaking of things we shall see I'm curious. There was a really good piece in Celtics blog uh, this week. Uh, very good uh, website over there on SB Nation. But um, it highlighted the Boston new big three. Marcus Smart out. Chris Depps, Porzingis in. Jalen Brown, obviously not going anywhere. Jason Tatum, obviously not going anywhere. And Malcolm Brogdon not ending up in the move. But it's going to be a very different kind of big three where Marcus Smart was kind of the quarterback uh, for this team and kind of the heart and soul of the Celtics for um nearly a decade um in boston and it's gonna be a very very different team there's no way to sugarcoat that but i i really enjoyed this piece because it made me think like really what is going to happen here because they have three all-stars uh entering their prime right now and they all i should also mention grant williams also out who became an important player for them but Kristaps Porzingis quietly had a high usage last year. He was 27% uh, usage rate. It was him, Kuzma, and Beal did a lot. The team wasn't very good, but Kristaps had kind of a career resurgence um, in Washington after it looked like things may have just gone too far off the rails with his injuries and everything else. But now that you've had some time to think about it, with Robert Williams still being a huge X factor and unknown, Al Horford being the model of consistency there, um, with the new faces, with just kind of how Brad Stevens has reallocated his resources here and shuffled this lineup for Joe Missoula going into year two. What are what are you thinking about this fit with KP, with Tatum and Brown and no Marcus Smart at this point? Are, are you cautiously optimistic? Uh, sort of. I mean, I, I definitely like the fact you have three like main offensive hubs and like two of them in Brown and Tatum can be, you know, relied upon to do some additional like playmaking. Um, I do wonder though, I mean, you had a guy in Marcus Smart, he wasn't like your, I, I guess, like what you would think a traditional point guard, but he did a lot of the offense running responsibilities. 
you know, in terms of getting people into their sets and all sorts of things. And Jason Tatum has grown tremendously in that regard. And to a lesser extent, I would say Jalen Brown has as well. But now, you know, those three are going to have the ball. And it's unlike other big threes we've seen before where the other guy can, like, proficiently just run the offense, whether it's LeBron, D-Wade, and then Bosh, or even this current Suns big three between KD, you know, Booker, and, and Beal. You know, mm. um, I would say this is this big three is more akin to the – Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, big three in the sense of like the three guys can all score the basketball, all bring something to the other end in various capacities. But like, no, those guys are like, right, we're going to play through you in the way of like, you can initiate the offense, get into the sets. Pierce could do some of that. Um, but Ray Allen wasn't doing that at all. And KG, maybe, you know, this wasn't Minnesota KG, so he wasn't doing it either. Um, and so when you look at, you know, Tatum, you know, Porzingis and, and, and Brown, all those guys are better creating their own shot with the ball in their hands. Um or, you know, in Brzingis' case, getting it in, in pick-and-pop opportunities and, and, this, and the like. So I wonder how it's all going to blend together and how the mm. other guys will, like you said, a Robin Williams or, or a Robin Williams, she's a Robert Williams or a Derek White and a Malcolm Brogdon. Those guys can score. Those guys, even then, are more combo guards, like point guards, but they're there. So I wonder if, you know, the fact that you have a more, let's say you're trying to go with the Democratic offense, right, and you have all these guys who can fill up the bucket really well at all three levels that you just find a guy to get just enough movement from these guys to put together an offense that works. You know what I mean? I think it's definitely going to be more of a player-heavy offense instead of a system. Um, but we'll see what Coach Joe Missoula decides to do. Yeah, I um, Yeah, I just... It's going to be really weird because Marcus Smart had so many just distributor responsibilities right and he was kind of like we, there's so many memories of him taking important shots late in big games and we saw it uh, i mean in the philly game philly series and, and the other ones like i feel like the other part of this is like they must really believe in Derek white right like that he's gonna have a huge responsibility going forward would that be your guess i would say so yes that, that would be my thought. i mean it have to be because you can't really rely on brogdon with his injury history I mean, as good as a player as he is, and he is a good player to be like, all right, here, this is what we're going to do. I, I don't think that's a, a wise decision. Um, but at the same time, you know, given where they are right now, yeah, I mean, it, it, he he is a guy that when he's healthy uh, will play well. And in the meantime, between time, yeah, you're looking a lot from Derek White. And Derek White, I would say, is a, decent at handling and passing the ball. But I, I just always thought him more of a combo guard. He's played point guard for sure parts of the season point guard, shooting guard, small forward, combo kind of guard. But you're right, like in terms of dictating the offense, if it hits a jam, I do wonder. You see Tatum have just historically bad, not historically bad, it's a little dramatic, but really bad starts from the from the field for mm -hmm. the first half for the game. Like just really come out the gate and not have anything going. We've seen Jalen Brown. I mean, he can't dribble with one hand, basically. Like one direction is almost cut off to him. And then Porzingis, I mean, the dude is 7-2. Seven, seven, like it's only so much he's capable of doing with the ball in his hands too. He's someone that to a lesser extent is still reliant on the talent around him. So yeah, I think it has to go to the only guy who can create Robert Williams is, is a great, fine player, fine finisher, but like also not a guy like, all right, give it to him. Let's make it happen. Oh, he's really intriguing with some offense off the dribble handoff situations and, and things of that nature, but that's not going to run your all whole offense for, you know, 35 minutes a game. So I do think a lot of it goes to Derek White. Did you think they were? Do you think there was too much made about their offense being too perimeter oriented last year? It did feel like they took a lot more threes and were kind of more of a live and die team from deep. Did you notice that night in night out uh, a a humongous change than what they were um, two years ago when they made the finals? I mean, I didn't notice it as much. I mean, all those guys did bomb threes. I mean, mm. even Smart of not being a very you know 
I would say, a great three-point shooter, that he still will take a lot of threes. You know what I mean? I think he has like a Celtics regular threes made in the game, and he's not what you would consider a sharp shooter from there. You know, so I, I mean, they probably got more dependent on that because you know Tatum can at least get into that anytime he wants to. Jalen Brown could get into that and actually loves the pull-up three, whether or not it actually loves him back. You know, there are certain situations where these guys that's their comfort spot. Like I can see Porzingis putting up six, seven threes a game. Like that's what they're comfortable doing now. Whether or not they should be, like. Therein lies the question, but like mm. I feel like their offense has always been rather three happy. It's not like back in the the 2018 Rockets level of it, but they 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 rely on that. That's they generate open looks that way. They generate contested looks that way. Like that's something that they've done. Is there anything specific that Jason Tatum's still missing to be maybe the best player in the NBA? What it, what would it take for him to actually get to number one? Where he's been like fourth, fifth, best seasons. He's somewhere in that category. I mean, you can make the case he's been the best wing right like in the last two years like you could you could throw that out there i mean Jokic. it's been the bigs who have dominated the mvp discussion with Jokic and bead and Giannis. but is there anything remaining that you see that jason tatum could still get better at to put him uh in a put him in a situation where he is looked at as just the best player in the east and it's not even a not even a question i would say improving more as like a primary offensive initiator Mm. you know that's one thing i would say because he's gotten definitely better there but that's still not i would say he was definitely better there. i just don't know if i'd say he's like fully comfortable there all the way yet right um because you look at a guy like lebron or um paul george jimmy butler like those type of players who you can run the offense through consistently there's some nights we saw jason Tatum in the playoffs i think have a really big second half or fourth quarter particularly after shooting like something like 7 to 21 or 6 to 21 he's a lot of slow starts like bad starts too and because he allows in his jumper a lot if it's not going down i mean he can get to the rim but like he allows him to jump and if it's cold it, it, it it's cold cold you know so i would say just stringing together more consistency would be big um and then also being a guy that hey you know he can be like our primary offensive hub so, like, between Jalen Brown and between Porzingis and whichever guard you have alongside those guys, along with your big, you can give the ball to, you know, Tatum and say, here, you know, get us into our offense, run our sets, like, get people involved in addition to your scoring and and, and make that happen. And, and I think he's gotten better, like, every year. It's not either or. Like, now he's kind of mixing both together. But he can definitely step up in that regard. And then defensively, like, he's not horrible there, but can definitely improve. What do you think their best five is going to be? Because it's interesting to think with their new options that Joe Mazzilla is going to be able to mix and match with Robert Williams, Horford, and um, and KP. But like, I was thinking about that today. Like, what do you actually think is going to be their best five? What do you think will end up having the best net rating and being the most important clutch clutch moment uh, when the game's in the line in big playoff moments this year? What do you think it's going to be? I mean, I think it's their projected starting five. Hmm. I mean, whether because at the end of the day, I mean, Derek White. Good defender mm. at the guard spot, right? I would look him as better defender than Brogdon. Yeah. Um, knock down shots, make big shots. It's kind of a low-key history of doing that um, over the last couple of years and good performances. So he's your guard. Jalen Brown, not moving him anyway. He's probably playing your two. Boom. Then, you know, your three is Jason Tatum. Boom. Four, Porzingis. Okay. Probably. And then you put Williams at the five. Because he brings that extra defensive stoutness. He's able to actually run the back end of the Celtics defense, clean up others' mistakes. Not there'd be many if all those guys are really locked in. And then Porzingis, of course, balancing the floor on the offensive end. You have a guy in Tatum who can take advantage of mismatches and and and, clo- and hard closeouts. 
or, or soft really with ways he's able to get to the basket with his one hand, right? You have Tatum, who's kind of a do-everything utility offensive player. Derek White being able to knock down shots. Robert Williams with the dribble handoff game and ability to finish above the rim in the pick-and-roll situation. And then, of course, you know, Porzingis being able to stretch the deep. Like, all of that together, that's that's probably your best combination. I could see you making a case for Brogdon with what he brings on the offensive end as well. But, like, I think Derek White brings you additional size and defense there. So, I, I honestly think your projected starting lineup is probably your best. Is your closing five, it's your best unit. Good balance. I like it. Um, I want to get your perspective on this. So, Mikael Bridges was on a pod this week. I think it was Paul George's pod. And he said on Ben Simmons, who I just completely forgot is still a Brooklyn net, right? Like, I just, I, I, <clears throat> I just look at it as, like, He's a free agent and people are just waiting to give him a workout later and see whenever his back's right or whatever. But like, he's still a member of the Nets and it's just easy to forget that. But, um, Mikhail, who had a great second half with, uh, Brooklyn down the stretch there. And I'm a big Mikhail guy and I think you are as well. And he has a good sense of humor about the, the KD trade where it's like, well, it's not going to be Booker. It's not going to be Chris. Like, I just, I appreciate that. Being <laughs> the like, candidness. Yes. The candor. Yeah. Like, hey, I, I like that. Uh, but he said, Ben is my guy, man. I got confidence. I got big faith in him this year. Bridges told uh, George on his po- on the podcast P show. And so Nets Daily pulled this together, these quotes. And I think he also said, quote, his back was messed up. Now that he's got surgery and he's getting back, he loved the game, bro. I think he's in a good place. Uh, F's with all of us like we're close. He's the one talking in the chat all the time. And we F with him. I, when you look at Brooklyn's roster going into next year, if you were to make the case that Ben Simmons gets back to being an important on-court figure, cog on a good NBA team, Mm -hmm. I think you could sell me on like the current Brooklyn situation being kind of that situation that you would be looking for at this point where we talked about the the Dame trade or sending like if you did move um, Ben Simmons, where could you move him to? And one of the things about Brooklyn or Portland always made sense was like he can just go away and just they're on a team that um, is not very like they're it's just a different market. The Portland market will uh, it will just be nice. You can kind of go away and get better and see what happens to be not be out of the spotlight, be out of a big market, whether it's Philly, Brooklyn, whoever, like just get away for a little bit and just play basketball and work through your mistakes and everything else. But Brooklyn now is in that Kenny Atkinson era um, that we got to where they went back and it's just, they have a bunch of players that we like the Cam Johnson's, the, um, the Mikhail bridges. They're just, they're everywhere. Um, just a bunch of solid NBA role players to, I mean, Mikhail's case, probably like maybe like, I would say like Chris Middleton on a title team. Like maybe that's his upside where he's a number two for an elite big uh, in today's game. Like that could be, he could be a number two there on a championship team, but not the best player on a championship team, but that's okay. Brooklyn is in that spot right now. This does feel like, I'm not saying I'm going to go out and believe this, but when I look at this roster and I look at their current situation and there not being any pressure to win now and not being any pressure for Ben Simmons to live up to his, what it says on his contract. I do kind of see where Mikhail is coming from. And maybe there is some reason to believe that he could surprise some people and find his way back on the court and be an interesting figure with this group of young nets. What do you think? 
I mean, it's possible. I I I don't know. Well, like if I had to pick the odds, I don't know how like optimistic I would be about that. But at the same time, like yeah, it's certainly a thing. I mean, if you look at it, it is a different Brooklyn Nets team. It is more the uh, a Kenny Atkinson team, which mind you, big market still gets some attention. I, I think Ben Simmons likes some of the attention anyway. But mm-hmm. also, like the expectations are different, and for that, like you're gonna see their ESPN games probably get slashed in half, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not as exciting. You'll probably see them on NBA TV once or twice on TNT. Okay, maybe four or five times. But like the point being, like they're not that big a team. So some mm-hmm. of the spotlight will be off of it. It's different when you have a, a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving. Remember James Hart. Well James Hart was traded for him. So mm-hmm. like you have these bigger names swirling around. You know, of course it's gonna be a lot more attention. But now the expectations have lightened. And yeah, you could kind of think about an idea where Ben Simmons, okay, focus on running the floor, you know, pushing the pace, kicking the ball around shooters, you know, maybe getting back to some of that defensive uh, tenacity you had back in Philly when you were a rising star, you know, a little bit of everything, kind of get back to you and, and maybe not even be old Ben Simmons, just be the guy who is a solid player to a team that is trying to see who they are, you know, and, and that makes sense. You have a team right now trying to figure out who they are, you have a player in Ben who's trying to figure out who he is. So, like, let that be learning for everyone. I think that's the potential there. Um, I don't know if I buy it, like, the mentality looks gone, man. Like, he's looked, I mean, if you're not doing it, it'd be, and there's been players who do that. Mm-hmm. The, the lights are brightest and they kind of fly away and then the lights go off and it's like, hey, we're back. We're good. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Ramon Sessions, you know, mm-hmm. like with the Lakers, just horrible. And the next year, I went to Charlotte. It was very solid. It's like, oh, all right. It's a comfort zone. Not everyone's built for that. And that's fine. Um, So we'll see for Ben Simmons. The thing is, he was. I mean, he was in one of the tougher areas in Philly doing it. So we'll kind of see. Um, I'm not overly optimistic that that's the case. I really think he's kind of done. But at the same time, you know, the blueprint is there for him to play that way. And now he's on a team where he will have more of that. He wasn't, you know, you weren't doing that when KD handled the ball as much as he did in Kyrie. I took away some of Ben's strengths, you know, and the way he was playing defensively with his back and everything were not was not great. So um, maybe we go away from point center, uh, Simmons and, and C. But also, like, Javon didn't seem the biggest fan of his, you know. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you still got to, like, I'm glad Mikael Bridges likes you, but there's a coach who's going to play you. So we'll see how his role fits there. When you think Cam Johnson, do you think Nick Claxton, do you think uh, Mikhail Bridges, and you think Spencer Dinwiddie, and then you throw in Ben Simmons in that foursome. Like, let's say Dorian Finney-Smith is out one game, he's hurt, whatever. Does that starting five work for Ben to be effective? Is that the kind of roster you would have around Ben Simmons? I mean, I like to maximize the shooting. Mm. I think you have a guy in Dinwiddie who's not the best shooter who will need the ball in his hands a little bit. Um, and then a guy in Claxton who needs to be on the floor as well, but also like a non-shooter. So the floor mm-hmm. will be kind of cramped a little bit. I think you want a little more spacing there. Um, personally around Ben, um, whether it's all five out or whatever. And if he gets some size there, great. So he can actually like have guys to like rebound stuff with, but also be the primary guy. As far as Mikel and Cam, like those are the type of players that I think can play in anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that they will work well alongside Ben because defensively they can hold their own their position. They space the floor out very well. And also they're not really big on ball guys. Mikel Bridges definitely grew a lot on his on ball handling chops this past year. But like in general, that's not really his game yet. And maybe it is now. And if so, him and Ben could take turns. But as it stands, I'll give Ben the on ball reps he needs to maximize his effectiveness on the offensive end. Defensively, he has some additional help. He's not the last line of defense. And he can also bring his talents to bear when it comes to rebounding as well and pushing the pace. So I definitely think a, a lineup like that is similar. Let's just maybe get a five of some more space or go small ball and, and try to see if that works out. 
Do you think we're headed towards a scenario where the Donovan Mitchell trade is one of the worst trades in the last 20 years? I think it's too early to tell. I don't know. Like, I mean, as of right now, like, if you look at the cat, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the um, Jazz, mm. like, they're still in the midst of it. They haven't really reaped any of the rewards yet. I mean, Larry Markkinen's been... He was been an all-star. Uh, yes, but, like, I mean, I haven't, like, there's no playoffs. There's nothing there. Like, there's no. good for, it's a feather in his cap. That's great. But, like, it's not like you're looking at him going, oh, wow, like, great. You know, the Jazz are back in relevancy. Almost like when... Um, Gordon Hayward left Utah for Boston and then mm-hmm. down the Mitchell came to Utah and then they were in the playoffs and it was like, oh, well, Jazz actually did pretty good in this. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't even a trade, but just something like that. So with the Jazz Hall, I mean, you have Colin Sexton, you mm-hmm. can say results were mixed at best his first year in Utah. Larry Markkinen, all-star, great individual year, good moments in, in Utah. Great to have an all-star in Utah during that. But like, aside from that, I mean, no. Otak Baji, definitely like him as a player. Haven't seen anything just yet. Uh, your three first round picks are still two years away from conveying the earliest. You have the 2025 first round pick, then you have 2026 pick swap, 2027 first round pick, then you have another pick swap, and you have the 2029 first round pick. So, like, you haven't seen the payoff on the draft capital just yet. And as of now, like, I get it, you know, Donovan Mitchell not signed the extension is is there, but he could easily just resign later. You know, and as of well, right I now, think that's cap- part of it, right? That's part of my calculus. So, mm-hmm. to this point, Laurie Markkinen, all-star right out of the gate. And like you said, the picks haven't conveyed yet, so we can't go down, down that road. But you got just blasted by the Knicks in the first round last year. Jared Allen couldn't play. You look at it, maybe he gets moved this year, and you have to eventually slide Evan Mobley to the five. But the combination of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell made sense. Like, I'm not even going against the Cavs thinking here. We're like, you kind of do something... They were someone I think we talked about in this very program. They were good at everything. Like this was a very good regular season team. It was a roster that made a lot of sense. They had a good offseason. They have a lot of different options that they're going to throw at the three to surround Garland, Allen, Mobley, and uh, Mitchell this year. It wasn't like Mitchell and Garland are a bad fit. They work really well together. Like this all should theoretically work. But like what happened was they got beat by (laughs) the Knicks in really embarrassing fashion with the, the lights getting too bright uh, for certain players in that series. And then you go into next year, it was like, okay, well, that was pretty, it was a good moment for you guys. And I mean, the Bucks were knocked out in the first round. There was an opening, like the East looked pretty, I mean, the Heat as a, a bottom seed makes it in the NBA finals. Like, you do you wonder a little bit, it's like, do you, do you miss your moment? And now there's just so much pressure on what the Cavs do this year. Because if you get beat again, early in the postseason like that looks bad for your long-term uh donovan mitchell stock like you want to get that deal done sooner rather than later and then you have to go into this whole year because guess what the questions are going to be if the Cavs are like trending towards the fifth and sixth seed something like that for next year you got to trade mitchell before you lose him for nothing like you have to do this or you have to do that and then if that's the case then you the all you have to show for it is all these gone picks laurie markinen out the door and no playoff series victories like that's where things are trending right now and i get it you take a big swing you're cleveland it's you're not going to get first round. like lebron is um from your area outside of that it's just gonna be always difficult to get nba free agents big time free agents to uh sign with cleveland as unrestricted free agents but that 2025 first round pick the pick swaps in 26 and 28 like there is a path where the Cavs could get really bad really quickly like that future haul could be devastating 
um, to Cleveland. And I just, I think there's just going to be so much pressure on Cleveland this year. And I think they could be really good, but I just, I feel bad for those fans because they're just going to go into every game like, oh, like we got to do this or we got to do that. And they're going to get tired of everyone being like, you got to trade Mitchell so you don't lose him for nothing. And everything's going to be like, he's going to New York. He's going to New York. And it's also like, I don't like the Knicks fit. Like, I don't think him and Brunson actually work all that well together. I think him and Garland are actually better fits, but I understand like him being from New York wants to go there. But like, if I'm the Knicks, I don't necessarily want to sign long-term to a Mitchell Brunson defensive backcourt. That's just me. I probably, and I'm sure Tibbs probably doesn't really want to do that. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you, what would you do? Like if the Cavs are, let's say in the seventh seed around the trade deadline, do you just ride it out with Mitchell and hope he, or do you just got trade him for something to a contender and try and recoup some of those picks you're going to end up losing? I mean, I wait till next year. You are still in a position right now where you could do some more winning this year. I mean, the Cavs made some side improvements. Do you see them in the championship champion, like content championship contender this year? I don't know this upcoming mm. year, um, compared to 2024. But you, bottom line, like he's not gone until 2025, right? Summer 2025. If he's gone, like if he is his Tim Bomb set, then he's gone 2025. That's still like two years from now, right? Mm. So yeah, one year from now, you're really trying to get maximum value, but you're gonna get value for a player like Donovan Mitchell, especially if you trade him to a team he wants to resign, right? Like, I don't think a team's going to be like, nah, we'll just wait for him in the offseason. I mean, they might, but, like, the Knicks won't. I'm just, I think that you'll be able to reap some value. Will it be the massive haul that you had to give up? Probably not. <laughs> but, like, also doesn't make any sense because if you were to do that, then you trade him this offseason, and then you traded all of that for one year Donovan Mitchell because you're worried that he won't resign two years from now? No. Like, at least give it two years, see what you go from there. I think also, like, if you look at it, the, the Cavs are fine, I think. I think that you still, like, moving Mitchell's not like losing LeBron. Darius Garland signed through 2028. Evan Mobley signed through 2029. Like, he's going to outlast the picks that they gave up. You know, uh, Jared Allen's contract for 2026, 2026, that will at least keep them competitive. Remember, they're competitive before they traded for Donovan Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, in terms of paying out future contracts, they're in good shape. They have uh, expiring contracts for the next four years that will open up some room, whether that's Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, don't forget <laughs> Max Drews. And, you know, that can help them in re-signing current players or improving their free agency. So, I, I don't know. I think that eventually it might be something you consider. I'm not saying let him go for nothing, but like, I just, I, I, I don't think um, it's like panic time just yet. And the NBA transaction circus, I, I imagine that it is part of that. But as of right now, no, like you are good. The problem the Cavs are going to have right now is improving through their draft because they don't have picks, right? So they're not going to be able to get young talent back from that because of everything they're giving to Utah or swapping with Utah. And they don't have their upcoming first-round pick because – or they didn't have their upcoming first-round pick because they tr- had traded us at Indiana for Kyle Silvert. So, like, yeah. But at the same time, considering the young guys they have in place, maybe you could say they don't need to get more younger players. I think they're in a good position with a core that will be there for a couple of years. It's locked down. It's with or without. Donovan Mitchell, and with those guys locked in with the flexibility they could have moving forward, other players want to sign there. You know, they'll be they'll be able to make other trades. They'll be able to get other players there in free agency. I think um, that will keep them competitive. And also, so you think they would not, go into next year with him being a what, like a player option? He could leave after the following year. You think he would just ride it out and just whatever know. happens happens? I mean, I'm also not particularly sold on Donovan Mitchell being like a winning player. Mm. Like that's my own opinion. Like, all right, cool. Like, go to New York and and what? You know, like I'm not. I'm not um if he was a Laker, what would you say though? 
You say all those. Yo, you but know I he, love him. But yeah. also, but also that's not. I mean, I have to say LeBron finding him in the corner. LeBron setting it'd him up. It'd be nice, yeah. but like I just don't think he's like the main. Like here's the thing. I think he's a solid player. If he goes to LA, he's the third best player. Yeah. Oh, for he's sure. He's not better than Anthony Davis. He's not better than LeBron. And that's what I mean. Like, he's yeah. not your best player. And if he is your best player, I don't expect you going far. In Cleveland. Is he, he better than Cleveland's... Jamal Murray? That's a good question. I don't. I think I would take Murray. I, I, I think I would take Murray, too. But remember that amazing back and forth they had in the bubble? They did. They did. I just think Murray does more on ball. Yeah. Than, than Mitchell does. Uh, defensively, they're both I think he's also a better shooter. That as well. Yeah. So I, I, I would go. I would go. I would go Murray. Um, yeah. I just Mitchell's fine. He's a good player. I just like we're talking. He's probably one of the best players in Cleveland, which is why I don't think they win a championship. But like, yeah. Well, I know, think that's I, the, I, the other part of this, right? Which is, mm-hmm. if Evan Mobley becomes the best player on Cleveland, that changes all this calculus. That like totally if Evan Mobley it. takes a step, which is what everyone in Cleveland has to be banking on, like he's mm-hmm. the forgotten piece in all this. Like if Mobley takes the step, that's what changes everything. That's how you get Dev- Donovan Mitchell locked in. Is like, oh, I now have a franchise Kevin Garnett anchor um inside who can play the five now he can defend five like that we have our Giannis, Jokic, whoever like the next great big in the nba who can do it all like that i think is the most important thing to happen in cleveland over the next two years is just like what evan mobley is ensuring his development um gets him to where he needs to go because i think there's more writing on him than garland than uh, max struess than jared allen and Donovan mitchell it's it's Evan Mobley and what he becomes because if Evan Mobley becomes what he's capable of, the Cavs are a real long-term contender in the East. If he doesn't, it just it gets pretty dicey in a hurry here for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I agree with you completely. So that's that. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think it's one of those things that can go shaky fast. And mind you, I'm not saying Cleveland's in a position of strength right now, Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's in a weakness either. Like, you traded all those stuff for him. You didn't do it for just one year. If you trade him this yeah. year, then you you have we, you weakened. And yeah, you may not get a great haul back, but you would get something back if you wait till next year to trade him. Like yeah, we've seen players now. I mean, get traded. You'll get something back for him. And if that's worth another year of seeing what you can maximize maximize with this, you know, Mitchell Garland, um, Mobley Allen core, then you go for it. I, I don't mm. think that's really anything to think about between that. So yeah. I like it. Uh, Corbin. Chris uh, Duarte to the Kings. Harrison Barnes signs an extension. We were wondering what his future looked like. They get a big EuroLeague star. But outside of that, they're going to run it back with DeMontis Sabonis, who also got paid. Him and De'Aaron Fox have a great connection. They break through in the playoff drought this past year in Sacramento. When you look at the Kings in their offseason... Do you think it was a relative win here? Are you excited at what they've done? Kind of just adding some more debt, bolstering them in that regard and what they're going to look like um, going into next year. And if they're going to be able to run it back and be just as good as they were in the regular season this past year. I think so. I mean, I don't know if they like demonstrably improved their defense, which I think was kind of their issue big mm-hmm. time, you know, ultimately. But like in terms of their offense, like that, that's screwed up. That's even more depth. Mm. more weapons you know for darren fox to use and even more versatile in that way and if you think another year improvement darren fox just 25 you know what i mean like keegan murray had a very strong year last yep. year 22 
Demontis Sabonis is no, you know, old guy either at 27. Like these guys are still young. There's still room for them to grow. And I do like those moves. I'm a big fan of Chris Duarte. I think he's a little bit older, but fits their range in terms of like that 25, 26, 27 type player. Yeah. Another Basically Kevin Herter, just a variation of a- Kevin Herter. Exactly. I think maybe more on-ball juice, Kevin mm-hmm. Herter. I don't know. But like, boom, like it, I like what they did there. Um, I like their new guard. You know, I think I think it's pretty solid. I think that they did a really good job of 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 amplifying their strengths. I will say that. I don't know if they've like covered their weaknesses well enough. Um, but then again, Sacramento's never been known as a defensive juggernaut, so maybe mm-hmm. it's overrating it, right? But no, I, I think ultimately, like they are pretty solid. Um, definitely another team I think will make the playoffs again. So. We'll, we'll they're like see, 10 we'll, 11 deep i'm curious how they do this yes. rotation because somebody's gonna ha- i i don't know if they're gonna be able to do that i i think it's gonna be oh very they got nerves well for the defense too my bad i forgot yeah so nerves are well somewhat good defensively i will say that but like they're a con and, and alex land is back and he's decent defensively but they're good and yeah let's not forget like you said sasha uh, uh menzikoff six mm. nine nba ready euroleague mvp like yeah it's gonna it's gonna be nice i like it if you look at like their rotation we're talking about a point guard Darren Fox, backup, Davion Mitchell, shooting guard. Kevin Herter, backup, Malik Monk. Small mm. forward, Harrison Barnes, backup, Chris Duarte. Power forward, got Keegan Murray, Sasha Vizenkov, and then Trey Lyles. Center, DeMontis Sabonis, and Alex Len. And you still have Kessler Edwards, you know, Nerlens Noel, Colby Jones, and your two-way players. You said it. There's a, they're 11 deep there. And they have amazing depth at the power forward position. Some guys at the three could play the four. Some guys at the four would probably play the three a little bit in bigger lineups, right? Um... Monk, heat up in a hurry, could play both guard spots. Davion Mitchell, Pitbull, defensive guard, right? Mm. Duarte, a shooter off the bench. Venzikov, shooter off the bench and could probably do a little bit more. Alex Lang can still get valuable minutes when his size needed. Like, this is a, they're in a very good position. I think that they'll win the NBA Cup. <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to be so weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I'm not ready, was, Corbin. I'm really not ready. I'm not ready. That would be a Kings thing, though, for them to be the first winners of the NBA Cup. Right, right. Uh, there you go. It would. It would. They. No, no one could take that away from them. Well, the thing too to remember about the Clippers, so they won 48 games last year, mm-hmm. nearly 53 seed. Here are the mm-hmm. teams that made the playoffs last year in the West: the Grizz, the Nuggets, the Kings, the Suns, the Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, T Wolves. And then um, Pelicans and Thunder round out the nine ten. The only teams that I can definitively say are not going to make the playoffs next year: the Jazz, the Blazers, the Rockets, and the Spurs. I find it very hard to believe that Mavericks don't make it back to the postseason with a full season of Luca and Kyrie. I think they bolstered their depth a little bit. I think they're just too good. Like they're gonna find their way back in the postseason. Mm. Someone's gotta fall out. The Kings, I'm just looking over. I'm like, the Warriors aren't falling out. The Lakers aren't falling out. The Clippers aren't falling out. The Suns definitely aren't falling out. The Nuggets definitely aren't. I'm kind of worried about where their record's gonna be. Like I'm kind of worried. I I think what two things will be happen. They're just as good as last year, and yet they're a play in team this year. And well, uh-huh. the, I wonder how it's received because the West is just so tough. Are we sold on the Warriors? Yeah. The, I mean, Steph playing, even if Steph plays 70 games, like their playoff team locked in. No question. I mean, they're 44 and 38 last year with Steph playing a bunch of games. Yeah. I mean, and Steph I, is 35 now. 
You just want to end the Warriors. You just want no, no. I was gonna make the same case for the Lakers. Actually, I think their be- their roster's LeBron. better too. I don't know. There' no weird Jordan Poole stuff hanging over the team for a full year. No, now you make him maybe can make a jump and hoping those two make a jump finally after three years. Maybe. I'm just saying those guys hopefully making a jump and Chris Paul not being cooked. Like the Lakers, I like their depth a little better, but again, they only go so they're better positioned to survive without LeBron AD, but they only go as far as LeBron AD will go. And AD will be 31, LeBron will be 39. Just concerns about that. Memphis, you're losing job for the first 25 games. Yeah, I'm not saying Marcus Smart is not going to help, but I don't think it's going to be like a perfect. They could have a slow start too. Who knows, right? Mm. Denver, I think will be a solid regular season team. Uh, we'll see about the playoffs because losing, you know, some of the depth that they did lose was important to me. So we'll see. Um, the Suns, I actually don't know. Like, if they're healthy, then absolutely. But we're going on a 35-year-old Kevin Durant, a Bradley Bill who's been dealing with injuries the last couple of years, missing like several, what, dozens of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Booker's not beyond injury himself. We saw that last year. And then you don't have the players that can step up if those guys go down and go, okay, we got this. Like, we're going to write it out. No, I could definitely see them slipping a little bit. So, like, I think this whole one I really can't poke holes in is really Denver. And the Clippers, I'm sorry. Wait, do we not realize they have Kawhi and PG? Like, those guys get injured. They're still deeper. But we saw last year the depth weren't as good last year. Their depth's a little older. What yeah. looked good in 2020 and 2021 doesn't look good in 2023. You know, Mick, Nick Batum and Marcus Morris and all these guys. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not sold either. I think health is going to be the big like barometer there. So I could totally see Sacramento making it there. One of those teams having a surprising slide that maybe look back isn't so surprising, but like look at it. The Warriors were six, the Lakers mm-hmm. were seventh. Right? The Suns and and, and Cavs were uh, Suns and Kings separated by three games. Yeah. You know, only teams that made it over 50 wins in the West was the Nuggets and the Grizzlies. Like I could totally see something like that happening. We health is something there. But no, I will go with your original opinion. All things being equal if health was just good for everyone. No, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm looking at the kids, maybe, like you said, playing. And even then, like, what does, where does OKC go? Where does New Orleans go? What happened to Minnesota? You know, like, like yeah. it's going to be tight. It's going to be fun to watch them again. I'm sorry. We didn't even mention one team that I expect to be good that dropped to 11th last year, Dallas. Well, that's what I said at the top. It's like Dallas said, is a playoff oh, you team. You said from the jump. I'm sorry. Yes, you yeah. did. So, like, let's not forget Utah. I'm just kidding. Um, but, I mean, Utah's <laughs> going to be feisty. They're going to be bad. Like, like Utah's going feisty. to. I think Keontae George is going to be a really good player. No, I'm very. I, I love Keon. They had him high on my list, so I. He would have been summer league MVP if he doesn't get hurt late, right? Like he probably would have been uh, league MVP. Who even no, ended up winning? Who won it? I mean, I who um Evan Mobley's brother. Um, who? Wait, no, summer league MVP. I was thinking of the the championship game. Um, who won summer league MVP? Uh, was it Cam? I think it was Cam Whitmore. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was Cam Whitmore. Okay. And then um. Um, in the championship game, um, I forgot because he and Murray won last year, and mm-hmm. Evan Mobley's brother won the MVP of the game. Okay. So hmm. remember, twenty twelve co MVPs were handed out to Damian Lillard and Josh Selby. Josh Selby, man. Shout out to him. I love when people are like, "It means nothing," and I'm like, "Well, there actually is a pretty good track record of guys who win summer league MVP or actually do play well at summer league." Generally speaking, do like. There are the Josh Selby's of the world and like Trey Young, obviously having a pretty rough summer league and he figured it out. But like that, there's actually a pretty good track record. If you play pretty well in summer league, that's a mm-hmm. good sign. Like that is never it's very rare that that's a bad sign for your NBA career is if you're really no. good in summer league right out. of the Yeah, game. no, exactly. So oh, look out the summer league curse is not mad. No. So like, I definitely agree with you. I think that it, it, it's one of those things that it, it translates doesn't isn't mean 
it's end all be all like this is what it is but it does portend well you'd rather have that than they didn't play well in summer league you know because for whatever reason like that's more concerning look at brandon miller i i i'm, I'm concerned about that so yeah. no, i agree i think that it, it does yeah that is it's at least something i'm excited because there's going to be at least two teams that wind up in the play-in situation this year and their fans are going to be upset because it's just the west is going to be too topsy-turvy like it could be the grizzlies it could be the lakers but the lakers it doesn't really matter i think the fans are like we don't really care if we're healthy come playoff time like we can win the west like i don't really care for a playing team but everybody else you want to avoid that you want to avoid that kind of grind and everything else you don't want to go the path of the lakers and the heat if you can avoid it but i do think there are going to be some teams that slide down in that uh in that category because i think the mavericks slide up the thunder are gonna be right there the pelicans probably the biggest question mark of all of those teams because we've seen the best of the best and the worst of the worst there health-wise with them and what that could mean for them and like you said it just so much of this is going to come down to the, come down to health but man the west is just going to be a bloodbath like anyone who's predicting how the west is going to shake out going into next year already good luck to you man because like the east it's i think pretty easy like i think the east is down to two teams still like I think there are only two teams that can win the East right now. It's the Bucks and yeah. the Celtics. That's I'm with it. you on that. Yeah. And let me put throw in the caveat. Damian Lillard does get traded to the Heat. Okay. I'll throw the Heat in too. I don't know. I think the depth is still kind of weak. I think so too. And Dame is your best player. We've seen that song before. Unless you want Jimmy Butler's your best player, we've also seen that. Although that gets you to the finals, but also it depends on the depth or it looks really bad. Can we say that? Like, it would be insane. I shouldn't say insane. It would be a gigantic surprise if the Celtics are not in the NBA finals next year. I think for me. Yeah, health permitting. They would, they would add, yeah, either bad health or something just fell apart. And then the Bucks just ran it back just with a new coach. Although I wonder about injuries. Yeah. And also some of their guys are older now. Brooke will be 36. Um, Chris Middleton battle injury, but also Lily took a step back last year. Only one I think it would get it right is Giannis. And that jumper hasn't gotten better. Yeah, but hasn't stopped him before. So I'm just right. being, just saying things for the sake of being cynical here. <laughs> Corbin Ford, what can the good folks check out from you across the internet this week? First, just want to say as always, thank you for having me on. My friend, love talking ball with you. Yes, you can find sir. me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. I've jumped uh, dropped a little bit of a few pods here on Round Ball Ramble. My main podcast. Um, going to be doing a fun draft project coming up here soon. Um, and looking forward to that um and then hopefully getting some work together on switch theory you can also find my work there when that drops but just check out those guys in general like it's a good group of folks way smarter basketball minds than myself over there love their work and happy to even be able to put my name among the ranks there but should be doing some front office retrospectives there soon as well there you go corbin ford always a pleasure my friend and i will talk to you next week thank you sir Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.